0: SoundPrints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. SoundPrints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushville, I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to SoundPrints for the week of March 3, 2019. This week's SoundPrints is packed with information, so let's get right to it. Patty Cox of Louisville and Shirley Stivers of Bellevue visited Capitol Hill on Tuesday, February 26, representing the Kentucky Council of the Blind as part of ACB's visit to the Hill. On page two, Patty brings us a very positive report of their visits to all of Kentucky's Senators and Congressmen. Growing our family trees has become more and more accessible to people who are blind or visually impaired in recent years. Recent changes in the Ancestry app have sparked renewed interest in family trees at the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Roundabouts. Now we're starting to write our personal and family stories. On page 3 is a very interesting article featuring 18 tips on creating your own personal or family history. You'll enjoy it whether you're new to genealogy or have participated in it for many years. And find details of many events and activities on page 4 in the Sound Prince calendar. Page two. This past week, Sunday, February 24, 25, and 26, Patty Cox and Shirley Stivers were in Alexandria, Virginia, and Washington, D.C., representing the Kentucky Council of the Blind at the ACB mid-year meetings. On Monday, February 25, there was a day of training for the issues that are of importance in Congress to ACB this year, and on February 26th, they made a visit to Capitol Hill. With me is Patty Cox, and she is going to be talking to us about the imperatives and telling us about the Capitol Hill visit. So, welcome to Sound Prince, Patty. Hello. Patty, tell us about the imperatives and how things went, and uh, just give us a little overview of what ACB is is supporting. What the most important issues are for ACB this
1: year? Um, first of all, there is um, the inclusion of low vision devices into Medicare, and that means um, there's an eyeglass exclusion, but it should not in- exclude things like um, CCTVs, maybe new eyes, devices that would help us other than glasses.
0: Okay, and the, and the glasses are excluded because Medicare does, at this time, they say they're not going to pay for anything that has a lens, and that includes not only the glasses but magnifiers and all kinds of other things. And what we're hoping is to get that exclusion changed, modified, so that they're not going to pay for glasses,
1: but so that it picks up the more expensive things. Is that what we're doing? Yes. Just as a person um, might need a prosthetic leg or a wheelchair to get around, we need these devices so that we can function independently every day as a visually impaired person. And then we talked about durable medical equipment for diabetics. Um, that would mean that any and all uh, equipment, be it a diabetic pump, a glucometer, um, any device that a blind or visually impaired person would need, that they're completely accessible to us. I, I used an example of Chastity, my stepdaughter. Um, you know, when when diabetics get into a very low 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 or high sometimes they can't function for themselves too well and um, she wears a diabetic pump and she uses a glucometer um, when I am not here my husband David can't read the glucometer for you know it, it takes them a long time to focus in on it and and then the other point is getting the, enough blood or if you have too much blood on the test strip. So, um, what we want is equipment that is completely accessible to blind or visually impaired people.
0: And there's so many diabetics who have vision problems. It would seem to be almost a no-brainer for the for the pharmaceutical companies and the the equipment, the developers, people such as Abbott Labs and so on, to make those
1: items accessible to start with but that's not always what they're doing no and i think it's because they're sighted they they don't have a need for it so they're they're not um making it accessible to us and and even if it might cost a little more um actually it's saving lives
0: yes and um it it and to, to have a glucometer that uh, can be read or that can be used uh, consistently and reliably by a person without having to see it could mean that it would stave off the complications of diabetes for a long time, and that can affect millions of
1: people. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, the last imperative that we talked about was the autonomous cars and they're self-driving cars and we we want those to be just so that we can ride in the cars without having that driver with the driver's license and that it, it's all accessible to us and we want to if we can afford them we want to be able to own them um, you know on our Capitol Hill visit. Um, John Yarmuth was very interested in the autonomous car. He, not that he wasn't interested in the other two issues. He was very interested in, in all three. But he explained to us that his son bought a Tesla up in Cincinnati. And the technology that's in his Tesla, um, it, it's it's not to where we would be able to, to use the cars ourselves yet, because it doesn't completely detect a stop sign or a stop stoplight. Um, when they were on the expressway, he said that, you know, the, the car pretty much took over and it drove itself. But then when you get off the expressway or if there was a, you know, um, if you got on a rural highway and they have stoplights, so it wouldn't recognize that. So there's some more technology that, that we would need to um, make sure that is, included so that we can um, use the autonomous cars but as he said you know 2035 comes around everybody's going to be using them and he doesn't see any reason why a person who's blind and visually impaired could not just summons the car and have it come pick you up and you don't need that driver in the car. Well and there's a lot of accessibilities there
0: just in getting in the car. I know Now when we use Uber and Lyft, um, let's pretend like Uber and Lyft were self-driving cars rather than being cars with, you know, people at the wheel. Uh-huh. Okay, yes. so you call the Uber or the Lyft, and you, uh, you, you know that the car is going to be arriving. You find out when it's going to be arriving. Uh, but the car pulls in the parking lot, and... And there you are, and without some accessibility feature, you don't know which car it is, because there's no person there to to identify themselves to you or to ask, "Are you Patty? Are you Carla? Are you you know who have who's called the Uber? It's it's a car, and um, unless there's some Access accessibility feature with that car. You don't know which car is there for you. At the other end of the trip, the car gets to the location. The GPS isn't always perfect. Car gets to the location and it stops. And you know, h- how do you know you're in the right place? So there's a lot of features there that have to do with just using the cars, even if they're not individually owned. Um, even if you assume that the system that is in operation today with Uber and Lyft works as, as the same, and that is you entering your destinations and so on through your phone as opposed to directly into the car, um, you still have issues of being able to find the car, uh, being able to know you're at the right location, all of those kinds of things. So... so, um, it's 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 there's several levels there um right being able to actually drive the car is something that has to do with do you need a license to drive the car there's insurance issues that relate to that if the car doesn't have a steering wheel And some of the some of the accessible I mean some of the uh, autonomous models out there do not have steering wheels. If it doesn't have a steering wheel, and you as a driver are going to be sitting in that car without a steering wheel, there's no reason why I, as a blind person, could not be sitting in that car without a steering wheel as well. Yes, but. Yeah, but but we have to be able to enter the destinations and we have to be able to know that they're there. We have to be able to know that we need, you know, whatever's going to power the car. Um, There's so many things that, um, accessible displays on the car, all of those kinds of features are questions that need to be addressed. And what we're asking for is that, uh, the I think it's called the AV Start Act. Um, that that legislation well, is that that. That's in
1: the Senate. Okay. The House it was AV, and I just forgot what it was. <laughs> um, there there was two different ones. It was it was a little bit different. It um, in the House, but what happened was is it it didn't get brought to the floor and passed through the Senate. Mm-hmm. So it died. and It's going to have to go. That through. And, and the reason
0: it died, for those that aren't familiar with Congress, is because the Congress came to an end last right, year. Congress right. is for two years. And so at the end of the even-numbered year, Congress comes to an end. So the next Congress begins. We've just started a new Congress, and that legislation will need to be introduced again. And you know it's going to happen. Right, right. Oh, right. yes.
1: And, and all of them... Um, you know, we're saying that that it is going to come up. It's right. just a matter of when. Right. But you know, the autonomous cars, just like the medical equipment for diabetics, um, we all have speech on our phones and our computers. So there is technology there. It just needs mm-hmm. to be incorporated into the devices, cars, um, whatever it is that we need to use to live our lives independently every day Mm -hmm. incorporated Um, as those
0: products are being developed
1: yeah yeah as they're being developed so that they don't have to spend the time to go back and make it accessible just do it at the beginning and save time right right so Um, so we have the
0: the um autonomous vehicle legislation that we're sure will be introduced what we want is to make sure accessibility regulations are included in that legislation we're pretty sure that well at least at the end of the year last year the low vision uh, a low vision a bill related to the low vision issues was introduced of course now it has to start over but um, you know that that. Uh, that will probably have a chance of getting introduced, and then the diabetes, the diabetic issues. Um, I'm not sure they 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 don't actually have a bill on
1: that yet, do they? They they're wanting no
0: people to be interested not. and help with it.
1: Yes, I'll say that on our on our visits to Capitol Hill, we did something different that we have never done before, and that is is we had hands-on stuff. Um, Shirley, in the job that she's in, brought three pairs of glasses. Now, these are like thin plastic. They're not paper, but they're thin plastic, like the 3D glasses Mm -hmm. that people wear to 3D movies. And each one of the lenses um, had a different eye condition in it. Mm -hmm. And she had one that was, if you only saw peripheral vision, and one for... That you only saw used your central vision. You've lost all your peripheral. And the other one was if you were a diabetic, what you what most diabetics see with um, diabetic neuropathy.
0: Mm-hmm. So diabetic um,
1: retinopathy. Um, retinopathy. Yeah. Yes, having that on hand, and I had some videos from people in our low vision group, and um, that really brought them in to see that what we were asking for is really needed. You know, anybody can go to Washington, D.C. and say, well, we need this. But having the videos and and the, the glasses and different magnifiers that we had with us made a big difference. And for the first time, and I don't know, how many years I've been going but um, the first time I felt that every single meeting that we went into was very successful they were more in tune with us it they couldn't you know when they put on those glasses and we asked them to look at something and then they couldn't see when they were looking straight ahead because that person only has peripheral vision (laughs) um that was really good to do and and we had two meetings out in the hallways because there was no office to sit down in Mm -hmm. so we modified a little bit but we at least had him put on those glasses and showed him a video um and 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 we talked about the issues and there were more notes made on that day than i think in three years that when we've gone in the past Mm -hmm. so um i I feel that if we need to discuss with them being a sponsor, we know it's coming up and we need more sponsors. um I feel that we could pick up the phone and we would get a little more done. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really good because um you know it it's
0: you actually got to meet with John Yarmuth. and yeah and and uh, and to have him. Uh, be engaged on all three issues is a real positive. Uh, that hasn't Absolutely. always happened. Um, the staffers, it, it's not. It's not a bad thing to meet with the staffers that are going to be working on these bills because they're the staffers are the people who really get a lot of work done it, it would be a physical impossibility for the member of congress to address all the thousands of bills that come up and and so you are there talking to these staffers helping them to sift through all of the things that they get and 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 trying to get our issues kind of brought to the top of the heap. And um, and when we've met with some of the Stanfords before, you'll go in, you sit down, and they introduce themselves, and you introduce yourself. And then they're thinking about the meeting coming up next, and maybe they're going,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And they're looking they, out the window, or they're scribbling on their – they're not really they're, making – they're not paying attention. They're, they're, they're not just kind of where. there.
1: They're just kind of drawing pictures, you know. Yeah. Um, yes. I've seen that happen, but – You know, as the day went on, and we did the the Senate in the morning, Mm -hmm. and then um, early morning, I guess you could say, and then midday from 1130 on, we were on the House side. Mm -hmm. And as the day progressively got longer, the bells were ringing like crazy for votes on the -hmm. the House side. Mm Mm-hmm. So we were so, we were actually supposed to meet with four out of the six Congress, right, right? But the bells um, kept ringing. The bells kept ringing. You know, they're they're on the floor voting.
0: Yes, and the bell we, means that they're summoning the member, that all the congressmen to come vote because they're not always on the floor of the House when the House right. is in session. They're they're off talking to other people. They're in their offices. They're holding meetings, and those bells ring. And they have 15 minutes, is it, I guess it's still 15 minutes. It's 30. I think. Is, oh, is it 30 so the now? one
1: girl said 30. Okay. To, just, no, to, it's 30 minutes for them to be in there to vote. Yeah, so to get they, in
0: there and vote. Yeah. And and for those of you who don't know, they, their offices are not in the Capitol building. So the bells ring in all of those buildings. and. And then here they go, racing off to Congress to get into the House in the Capitol building in time to get their vote counted. Correct. And, and so when that happens, and you don't have any control over when that happens, and they don't either, so if you have a meeting at 2 o'clock and that bell rings at 5 minutes still, you know, that congressman is out of there. and But the staffer is still there,
1: and you're well, going to meet uh, with the staffer. Right, and we were supposed to meet with one congressman, And the bells rang, oh, I guess it was maybe seven or eight minutes before our our time. And um, we go into the meeting with the staffer, and the congressman is texting the staffer on how to vote on that issue Mm -hmm. while we're in with the staffer talking to them. And, you know, she said, hang on just a second. The congressman, you know, needs to know how to vote on this issue. I've been taking care of it. So I thought, you know, hey, you've got to do your job. She Mm -hmm. was still engaged with us, but she did have to stop and let him know how to vote on a certain issue Mm -hmm. because she takes care of those kind of issues. Mm -hmm. And and that's what we've been saying. Those staffers are really, really key. They're very important.
0: Yeah. Well, Patty, it sounds like you all had a great day. You got into every office, all six Kentucky congressmen and two Kentucky senators, got to talk with staffers, had good meetings with all of those staffers, and got to meet with John Yarmuth himself. How did the
1: Senate side go? Um, We we didn't get to talk to Mitch or Rand Paul, Mm -hmm. Um, but it went very well. Um, they were just as successful as the, the house side. Good. Um, the, the staffers were, as I say, taking those extra things with us
0: mm-hmm.
1: and showing how people will see or what they see with the devices on. We had mm-hmm. Dave Waldy with Eyes, and mm-hmm. we had... Um, on your video. On, on my video, we mm-hmm. had um, a couple... That comes to our support group, mm-hmm. Rita and David Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, he got to see his wife's facial features for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. And that kind of touched their hearts. Few of them had a few tears coming down, too. Yeah. Um, but it was great that he could see her facial features. And um, Debbie Persons, um, she was speaking on the video how she could, you know, now thread. A, a sewing needle mm-hmm. where she couldn't before. Wow. Um, and so those videos, um, we had one person that had a the new device that they put on your arm for the glucometer that stays <laughs> on your arm. The Freestyle um, Libre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we had a video um, with that person talking about it mm-hmm. um, and how what they were using was not accessible to her really she had to take a few minutes to get it to focus mm-hmm. to focus on it so that she could read what it is right but um you know those are very important things so whatever the issues are every year I'm glad that ACB sends us the imperatives ahead of time so that we can plan because it was so successful that you know every year this is what we need to do well, thank and if you. you don't know the the congressman in your area, right? We can
0: look it up. Yes, that's very true. And also, when you call into the capital, um, the capital switchboard, and they ask you for uh, the the uh, system, ask you for your zip code and a little bit of information, it can help identify the proper office. So, we'll we'll definitely be asking people to help out. And we are so glad you and Shirley were there, and that you had a really successful day.
1: Congratulations.
0: All right. Thank you. Page three. One hobby that has become more and more accessible for blind and visually impaired people is family history and tracing your genealogy. The Ancestry.com app has become more accessible over the years and several people participate in family history activities at the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Roundabout. This past Friday, we shared some information from an article that I found at FamilySearch.org, and I thought that some of you across the country would also find this article interesting. One of the things that is important about doing genealogy research and building your family tree is to not only include names and dates and places, but to make people come alive by including stories about those people. Each of us have unique stories to tell about ourselves, our relatives, the people we know. And it's good to be able to share those because other people don't have that perspective and never have the exact same stories about the individuals. This article is called 18 Writing Tips for 2018. You can substitute any year you'd like. We'll make this 18 Writing Tips for 2019. How to Tell Personal and Family Stories with Confidence. This was posted January 3, 2018. Telling Your Family Story with Confidence. This is from FamilySearch.org. Seventeen years after my Grandpa Bob passed away, my dad planned a family reunion at a park in northern Utah. Prior to the reunion, he invited his four siblings and their children to email him their favorite memories of Grandpa Bob. He compiled the memories into a 16-page document and printed copies for everyone. One of my favorite entries came from my cousin Natalie, who signed off with an apology. I'm not a good writer, so hopefully this all made sense. I'm sad my memory isn't better. I was surprised. The stories Natalie shared were interesting and specific, full of fun details and sayings Grandpa was known for. Her words painted a vivid picture of him that made me miss him acutely. I didn't once notice an ungrammatical sentence in that collection of memories. That's not what matters. What matters is authenticity, voice, and perspective. What matters is that our stories get told in all of their imperfect glory. Would you like to make 2019 a year to tell your family stories? Let these simple tips inspire you to put pen to paper. No one is more qualified to tell your family's story than you are. Start writing your personal history with these 18 writing tips. Get started. 1. Own your story. You are absolutely the best person in the world to write your story and your family history. You are the only human being ever born to this earth who has your unique perspective and life experiences. You know all the details. You were there. J.K. Rowling couldn't tell your stories better than you can. No one more qualified than you to tell your story. Two, tell favorite stories aloud. One of the reasons my cousin's words came so alive for me is because her family members are all great verbal storytellers. They get together and reminisce and repeat some of the same stories over and over. This practice adds structure to fragmented memories, making it easier to write them down later. Three, make a timeline of major life events. In a notebook or a computer document, write down each year you've been alive. Leave a page or two between each year. Now start adding in all the big turning points that divide your life into chapters. Being born, going to school, moving, changing schools, reaching religious milestones, learning to drive, graduating, getting a job, Changing jobs, getting married, having children. Unhappy events like divorces and deaths will make the list too. Jot down names, places, and dates. If all you ever complete in your personal history is this list of major life events, that's a lot better than nothing. If you're inspired to keep going, you'll have a great framework for writing a thorough personal history. 4. Be specific. Add as many relevant details as you can when sharing a memory. If you make a general statement, think about the evidence you'd include if you had to prove you're telling the truth. For example, my cousin Natalie wrote, I remember Grandpa always took very nice care of things. If she had stopped there, it still would have been a true statement about Grandpa, but it became much more memorable when she added this detail. If he used the weed eater, he'd wipe it off and put it back in the box. Now that tells a story about just how careful and meticulous Grandpa was. Not only did he keep the original box for years and years, he also took the time to wipe off dirty lawn equipment before putting it away. I love that detail. I can picture him doing exactly that. Number five, just start. It doesn't matter how far behind you feel you are in capturing your personal history. Start somewhere and start today. Even if you don't have time to delve deeply into the past right now, make a regular habit of capturing and collecting current thoughts and memories. The important thing is to capture them while they are still fresh. You can always organize and rearrange your memories later. Trigger memories authentically. 6. Make a list of memories to tell. Not sure where to start with your personal or family history? Start by making a list of stories you want to write down eventually. Then elaborate on each of them, one by one. Think about the anecdotes you find yourself telling over and over, like that disaster you narrowly avoided. That crazy coincidence. That one time you ran into a famous person. If anyone ever says, Yeah, you told me that one before. That's a clue the story is important to you. Add it to your list. 7. Forget about chronology. I know I told you to make a timeline. But there's no rule that says you have to write your life story in chronological order. You can use the timeline for reference only. Then write your stories in any order you want. After all, you don't remember your life in chronological order. Memories tend to pop up at random, triggered by the strangest things. As you write your stories down, you can add whatever structure to your memories you want. Leave them in random order. Group them by person or place. I have an encyclopedia-style document on my computer where I gather memories under alphabetized topics, such as memories with Jory, body quirks, cheese, etc. Yes, I really do have a story about cheese. Easy steps to writing your personal history. 8. Use memory triggers. Photos, keepsakes, clothing, and other objects can be wonderful memory triggers. Look through photo albums at relatives' homes and see what stories come to mind. Then add them to your list of stories to tell. Plan a visit to a neighborhood or city where you once lived. Walk around, notebook in hand, and see what memories surface. You can also use questions or writing prompts, like the 52 Stories Project to trigger memories and stories how to tell personal and family stories with confidence nine let your thoughts percolate it's hard to summon stories on demand our memories just don't work that way if you're using writing prompts or trying to answer a list of questions read through them at the beginning of the week then set them aside and go about your life You'll be surprised what you can remember after you let a question marinate in your mind for a few days. 10. Gather Memories from Other People Consult siblings, cousins, children, and other relatives to help round out your memories of a person or event. Natalie talked to two of her sisters before typing up the final list of memories she sent to my dad. I'm so grateful to all my cousins and aunts for contributing their perspectives despite any writing insecurity they might have felt. Now we have a well rounded picture of this man we all loved from those who knew him as a young father, and those who knew him as an aging grandfather, from those who saw him daily, and those who visited a few times a year. Keep it simple. 11. Use your handwriting. I always know what some of you are going to say, but I have ugly handwriting. I hate my handwriting. Typing is so much easier. Let me just ask you this. Have you ever encountered a recipe written in your grandmother's hand and thought anything other than, wow, I miss her? Your handwriting is unique to you. Your family will want to have some of your words written in your own hand. They won't judge you for sloppy or imperfect handwriting. They'll treasure it as a piece of you. Easy ways to start writing your personal and family history. 12. Write the way you speak. Forget about formality and the rules of writing. Just do your best to allow your authentic voice to shine through. The more your written words reflect the way you speak, the better. It can take years for even Professional writers to find their own voice and feel truly at home with their style. So don't worry if you feel awkward with writing at first. If you still feel stuck, pretend you're telling the story out loud to a friend. Actually say each sentence out loud and then write down what you said. It's that simple. 13. Don't stress about grammar and spelling. There's a saying I want you to repeat to yourself over and over. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. What does that mean? Perfection is not the goal. If that's what you're aiming for, you won't get anything done at all. An imperfect life story that's written down is infinitely more valuable than a perfect story that's never told. So don't worry if you struggled diagramming sentences in school and can't distinguish a subject from a predicate. If you know how to speak in coherent sentences, you'll be able to write a coherent history, too. 14. Write in list form. Lists are a great way to break up your prose, making it both easier to write and more fun to read. The options are endless. Here's a brief list of things you could make lists about in your journal cities you've lived in schools you attended songs that remind you of high school favorite books or movies quotes or sayings your grandfather always said traits you inherited from your grandma recipes that remind you of home personal injuries and hospitalizations childhood mischief that you got away with pets your family owned. Find simple ways to start writing your personal history. Make it last. 15. Make it a regular practice. The more you exercise your writing muscles, the easier and more naturally your words will flow. Set aside a block of time once a week for journal writing as the 52 stories project encourages you to do. If that sounds overwhelming, Write every other week or once a month instead. You could also pick one month a year, maybe your birthday month, where you write briefly every day, either about your current life or about your past or your family history. Do what you have to do to remove barriers and make journaling fit your lifestyle, even if that means carrying a small journal in your purse or writing your entire journal in a notes file on your smartphone. Why writing your family story is easier than you might think. 16. Keep multiple journals. Long-form, paragraph-style writing is just one way to capture memories about your life. I have a journal like that, but I have other kinds of journals, too. I have a file on my smartphone where I capture spiritual insights and aha moments. I have miniature notebooks where I capture funny things my kids say. Several times in my life, I've used a blank wall calendar as a journal, writing one tiny memory a day inside those little squares. I did this for my daughter from the day she was born until her first birthday. I'm doing it now for my infant son. 17. Curate your own writing. Everything you write about yourself counts, so collect it all together. If you give a presentation at work, or you share a personal anecdote, pull that out of the presentation and save it in your personal history. If you share a personal experience in a Sunday school lesson, save it. If you speak at a family funeral, definitely save that. Comb through social media for stories you've already shared, and save them in a more archival format. 18. Make some of your stories permanent. Some of the writing you do will be just for you, and that's okay, but some of your writing will really matter to someone else, like your account of the birth of your child or your recollections of a beloved grandparent. Save your most important memories in the Family Search app in the Stories section, where all of the data is archived and backed up to the cloud. If it's a story about your grandfather, save it to his profile. If it's about your life, save it to your own profile. All stories remain private while the person is still living, but they will eventually be visible to the entire extended family. It's up to you. Don't let your self-doubts get in the way of preserving the important stories of your life. Don't let your insecurities keep you from helping your children and their children see your parents and grandparents the way that you saw them. There's no better time to start preserving your most important family stories than right now. There's no better person to do it than you. Additional note, you can also append stories to the family trees in the Ancestry.com app, MyHeritage.com app, and other apps and websites where you can build family trees.
1: APH's Nearby Explorer is a full featured GPS app for iOS and Android devices that empowers users to travel with confidence. It uses GPS and your phone's compass to speak real-time information about your surroundings, including millions of points of interest in the U.S. and Canada. Nearby Explorer is available on Google Play and on the App Store. Braille is a free tool for creating a Braille file quickly in Windows. It adds a shortcut to your Send to Folder menu. Once installed, simply point to a file, right-click, select Send to, select Braille to create a quick Braille file instantly. Download Send to Braille from the American Printing House for the Blind at tech.aph.org/lt.
0: Page four: The Sound Prince Calendar. On March five, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its monthly conference call support group meeting. This is at eight p.m. Eastern Time. Individuals statewide experiencing low vision are encouraged to call in and ask questions, share tips, and comments at six six nine nine zero zero six eight three three. Intercode three five seven two five nine five one nine three. On March 7, the American Council of Blind Lions will have its monthly conference call at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. This is open to Blind Lions from around the country. It's an excellent opportunity to share ideas about how to be involved in local clubs. 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 712 432 3900. Intercode 796 on March eight, the Greater Louisville Council of Blind Roundabout will include education and technology from 3.30 to 5, discussion time 5 to 6, dinner 6 to 7, $6 per person, bargain table 7 to 7.30, and bingo $2 a person from 7.30 until 9.30. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, to sign up, call 502-895-4598. On March nine. The GLCB board meeting will be held at 11 a.m. by phone at 605-475-6006. Enter code 294444. On March 10, the Kentucky Council of the Blind Next Generation Chapter will hold its meeting at 8 p.m. by phone. This is the regular monthly chapter meeting for visually impaired people 40 years and under in Kentucky. Dial 669-900-6833 and enter three five seven two five nine five one nine three. On March 10, ACB Families will have its monthly meeting at 9 p.m. You can participate from anywhere in the country by calling 712-432-3900 and entering code 796096. On March 12, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, Savvy will have its monthly chapter meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. For more information, call 270 684 or 270-686-8689. On March 12, the SAVI Board will meet at 7 p.m. Central Time by conference call at 669 669- 900-6833, enter code 3572 March 13 is the monthly meeting of the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind. 7 p.m. Eastern Time, call 605-475-4700 and enter code 155-619. For more information about NKCB, call Jerry Slusher at 859-781-7369. On March 13, the KCBPR Membership Committee will meet at 8 p.m. Eastern at 669-900-6833. Enter code 3572-595-193. March 14 is the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision Support Group Meeting. This is an in-person meeting in Louisville from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. At United Crescent Hill Ministries, for more information, call... March 15 is another savvy workshop on accessible reading materials. This is part two of the workshop from 10 a.m. to noon Central Time. Join them to learn more about NFB Newsline, Bookshare, Learning Ally, and more at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. To make reservations, call 270-684-4418 or 270 8689 March 15 is the GLCB roundabout. It will include education and technology from 3.30 until 5, a tip sheet from 5 to 5.30, dinner beginning at 5.30, and then a visit to the American Printing House for the Blind to see the performance of Charlotte's Web as part of their Reader's Theater. To sign up, Call 502-895-4598. And, more about the Reader's Theater, March 15 and 16 is the Braille Reader's Theater at the American Printing House for the Blind, 7 to 9 p.m. on Friday evening, and 1 to 3 p.m. on Saturday afternoon, March 16. APH's Braille Reader's Theater presents the classic tale of a terrific radiant and humble pig named Wilbur in Joseph Robinette's adaptation of E.B. White's Charlotte's Web. The tale begins when a soft-hearted farm girl named Fern interferes with her father's plan to turn a scrawny piglet into pork chops. As Wilbur grows and begins to cost his owner a fortune in feed, it takes the help of all his farmyard friends to save his life again. This classic tale of friendship, selflessness, and the circle of life will enchant audiences of all ages. At the American Printing House for the Blind on Frankfort Avenue. This is free to the public, but registration is required. Best for Ages 6 and up. Call 502-899-2213 to make reservations. If you plan to attend with the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind on Friday, March 15, as part of Roundabout, please call GLCB at 502-895-4598 to make your reservations so that we do not have duplicate seating. March 16 is the Savvy Bowling Outing, 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. Central Time, At the Diamond Lane South in Owensboro, register by calling 270-684-4418 by noon on March 15. Savvy will pay for rental of up to two lanes. If additional lanes are needed, the $44 per lane cost will be divided equally among participants. Everyone is responsible for shoe rental, $2.50, snacks, etc. March 17 is the meeting of the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Board at 8 p.m. by phone. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. March 18 is the Kentucky Council of the Blind Board meeting at 8 p.m. by phone. Call 669-900-6833 and enter three five seven two five nine five one nine three. March 22 is the GLCB roundabout, including Education and Technology, 3.30 to 5 p.m. The Tip Sheet, 5 to 5.30. Page-Turners and a Meeting of the Tri-State Library Users, 5.30 to 6. Dinner at 6 p.m. A KCB Next Generation Activity, Games and Crafts after 7 o'clock. At United Crescent Hill Ministries, call 502-895-4598 to sign up. March 24 is the ACB Family Support Group meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You can participate from anywhere in the country. Call 712-432-3900 and enter code 796 March 25 is the Guide Dog Users of Anna March Membership meeting at 7 p.m. Eastern by phone. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. April 1, Kentucky Talking Book Library Open House and Birthday Celebration. Make plans to visit the Kentucky Talking Book Library's open house in Frankfort and help them celebrate 50 years of service from 1230 to 230 p.m. at the Kentucky Talking Book Library in Frankfort. For more information, Contact the Kentucky Council of the Blind at 502-895-4598 or the Kentucky Talking Book Library at 800-372-2968. On April 1, SAVI will have a program committee meeting at 7 p.m. Central Time on the Zoom line at 669-900-6833. Enter code 3572-595-193. On April 2, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its next conference call. This will be a business meeting and support group call at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 669-900-6833. Enter code 3572-595-193. On April 4, the American Council of Blind Lions will have its monthly call for lions from across the United States an excellent opportunity to share ideas about how to be involved in your local clubs. 9 p.m. Eastern, call 712-432-3900 and enter code 796 On April 5, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have a roundabout from 3.30 to 10 p.m., including education and technology, discussion, dinner at 6, and games and crafts after dinner. For more information and to sign up, call 502-895-4598. On April 6th, the Kentucky Council of the Blind will sponsor Crossroads, Remember the Member, from 10 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. The focus will be on member recruitment and retention. The $25 registration includes continental breakfast, lunch, and dinner. A $50 per car stipend is available to attendees from outside the Metro Louisville area. For more information and to register, call the Kentucky Council of the Blind at 502-895-4598. April 7, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold committee meetings, advocacy at 7 p.m., and education, activities, and technology at 8 p.m. On the conference line at 605 475-6006, 475 6006 intercode 294444 on april 8 acb next generation will have its nationwide business call at 8:30 p.m. eastern time 669-900-6833 intercode 3572595193 on april 9 the support alliance of the visually impaired savvy will have its monthly meeting in Owensboro from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time. Patty Haas of the Evansville Association for the Blind will share information and offer items from their store for examination and purchase. The social Committee will also finalize plans for the May Social at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. For more information, Contact Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 or share a lot at 270-686-8629. April 12, Savvy Workshop, Ears for Eyes and MD Support, 10 a.m. to noon Central Time. Join us to learn about Ears for Eyes and MD Support, Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. Reservations are required. Call 270-684-4418 or 270-686-8689. April 12, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold its quarterly meeting and elections. Beginning with registration at 4.30 p.m., there will be a variety of activities concluding at 9 p.m., all at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. The cost will be $6 per person. Please call 502-895-4598 to sign up. On April 13, there will be a savvy bowling outing from 3:30 to 5:30 p.m. Central Time at Diamond Lanes Midtown, 1901 Triplet Street in Owensboro. Register by calling 270-684-4418 by noon on April 12. Savvy will pay for rental of up to two lanes. If additional lanes are needed, the $38 per lane cost will be divided equally among participants. Everyone is responsible for shoe rental, two fifty, dollars snacks, etc. April 20 will be an Easter holiday open house from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the American Printing House for the Blind Museum. Visitors can write their names in Braille, see a book from Helen Keller's Bible, Learn about guide dogs, play games, and read books designed for children who are blind. And enjoy many other activities. Easter treats and lemonade will be served for all ages. Call the APH Museum at 502-899-2213 for more information and to sign up. April 26 will be a savvy workshop, Android phone accessibility and app sharing. From 10 a.m. to noon central, Learn about Android accessibility and some popular apps at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church in Owensboro. For more information, call 270-684-4418 or 270-686-8689. April 27, The Old Ball Game. From 1 to 3 p.m., can athletes who are blind play baseball? Of course they can in the adaptive version of America's favorite pastime called Beep Ball. Whether in the batter's box or in the field, athletes rely on their auditory sense to focus on the beeping ball and the buzzing bases. The first documented game of baseball was played at the Kentucky School for the Blind in 1894. 125 years later, we're showing you how it's played now. At the American Printing House for the Blind Museum in Louisville, call 502-899-2213. For more information, on Saturday, May 4, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will host its annual derby party from 10 a.m. until 7.30 p.m., food and fun and games all day long. More details coming soon. July 5 to July 12 is the 58th annual ACB Conference and Convention in Rochester, New York. Members of the Kentucky Council of the Blind are eligible to receive a stipend of up to seven nights hotel stay based on double occupancy at the convention. For more information, call 502-895-4598. And the 2019 reunion of the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Association will be Friday, July 26 and Saturday, July 27 at the Ramada Inn, 1041 Zorn Avenue in Louisville. More information will be available on SoundPrints soon. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. And by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Reschival for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.